you're in Seattle, Seattle, you need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandDonsitDown.com. People ask me, how do you put up with these two? My answer, good snacks and video games. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 498 now of the Ron and Don Show. And hell yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, this is kind of exciting. We used to do something on Cairo called Ring My Bell with Rachel Bell. Well, Rachel Bell is here. We're going to talk to her. Yeah, we're going to talk to her in a moment. You're not going to believe what she's up to. Also, there's been a new study, uh, a very extensive study, about happiness. And we're going to talk about happiness today with some pretty happy people, Ron Upshaw, Rachel Bell, and Don O'Neill. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Ron, a life-changing event. It is coming up February 16th. I'm going to be there. You're going to be there. I don't know if Rachel Bell is going to be there, but I know we have nine spots left. Who's invited to this life-changing event? Yeah, if you want to be a first-time home buyer, you've been thinking, I'm sick of being a renter and my rent keeps going up year after year after year. Uh, I would like to be a buyer. That's what this thing is designed for. It's an in-person event February 16th, 6 p.m. in Factoria. And like you said, we have nine slots available. You can see more about it and sign up right now at ronanddon.com slash change. All right, ronanddon.com slash change. ronanddon.com slash change. number of years ago, we did Terrestrial Radio in Cairo. And, Ron, we were looking for somebody, uh, weren't we? Yeah. Um, we, and that somebody, I think, was in Japan at the time, wasn't she? That's right. We were doing a show, and um, Rachel Bell's here. Hi, Rachel. Hello. We're, we're, Rachel Bell's here! I can't believe it! I feel like I'm watching a tennis match, because Ron's on my left, and Don's on my right, and I'm just going back and forth. So uh, I'll give you my thing, and then we'll, we'll intersect with you in a second. Don and I had done uh, sports radio. We had done sort of uh, rock radio and shock jacks and sort of, you know, we were on a Howard Stern station in Dallas and then we got to Seattle and we uh, got onto this talk station. And so we were trying to do something different at the time. It was uh, all talk radio was on the AM dial and it was serve up a topic. You'd be gun rights. Your phone calls next. And so you would do this big uh, hot take open. Uh, you'd have the same six phone callers and everyone would argue. Uh, and then the next hour would come around. You'd switch topics and you'd do that every single day. And we were like, that's boring. We don't like that. We don't want to do that. And it doesn't get ratings. And it doesn't get very good yeah, ratings. The station was tanked. So we wanted to go in a different direction. So we stopped taking phone calls, which we got really uh, a lot of pushback from from management. But what about Bob and Muckle Teo? What, what about, what's he going to say? <laughs> And so, and then we went into the program managers and the owners of the station. We're like, we need more diversity on our show. We want to include women. We would like to include other Juice. viewpoints. Jews. <laughs> <Juice. laughs> <laughs> people of color. Like we, we live in a, in a city that's very progressive and very diverse. And we would like to do that. And so around about that time, you came in and I saw you, you were in the newsroom, but you were doing news stories and I don't remember what 
we we just had you on to do some story. I don't. Do you remember what the oh first yeah? Story was? No, okay. I remember so clearly because and so I started working at Cairo in 2005. We all actually started the same year because I moved up here from California in August, and then Katrina happened, and then you showed up a few months later. So we just figured out we've known each other for 17 years, which is so long. That's crazy. I was a child. I was a baby. Uh, so yeah, I was just a regular reporter, like a hard news reporter. But there was this contest uh, that was put on by Tom Cruise for the Mission Impossible movie that was out at that time. I think this was in 2007 or 2008. And uh, it was at malls across America. And the winner would win a visit from Tom Cruise would come to your mall and then you'd get to watch the movie with him. And the person who won this contest uh, is from Aberdeen. So Cairo <laughs> sent me out to Aberdeen, you know, home of Kurt Cobain. Right. And if you haven't been out there lately, that town is struggling. I mean, it's like this mall looked like it had been shut down 10 years before. Before. There was like a meth lab where the Mrs. Fields cookies used to be. But anyway, so this was like very exciting to go out and cover this celebrity, whatever. Right. So I get there and I'm in the parking lot and there's hundreds of people. And then there's this red rope. And then there's like this, you know, young dorky guy who won the contest. And very dramatically, a helicopter comes. And that's how Tom Cruise, you know, is like coming down the ladder, like Mission Impossible to come to this event. And the big surprise of the event was that Katie Holmes was there because nice. they had just started dating and everyone was going crazy. I so, totally remember this now, the helicopter landing. I remember. Yeah. So this was my big red carpet event I was covering in Aberdeen. And so I went on your show and I don't know if I'd been on your show before, but if I had, it would always be about court cases or murders or something. But I was reporting live from the red carpet and interviewing all these women who were screaming and like, I don't care how short he is. I didn't want to marry him. And after we did this really fun segment, you came to me and you went to management and you said, she should be doing more. Like, her, she has more of a personality than you're letting her have doing. Because remember how I used to talk dumpster on the radio? fires. I'm Rachel Bell at oh the dumpster fire. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, the way it was like, "Hello, I'm Rachel Bell." Blah. Like the story I covered on my last day when I left in 2008 because I quit Cairo and I came back a couple years later to work with you was. It's a hot day. People are hot at the park. I mean, it was one of those nightmare reporter stories where we call it MOS. How are you staying cool today? Exact kids are having popsicles and taking a dip in the lake. Back to you, Stan, you know? <laughs> and so it was that story. So like I said, I ended up leaving in 2008. I and just as real quick, but my memory of that is you got so once we sort of had some of those moments and you knew what, how fun it could be. Yeah. You got real despondent over them shoehorning you into the same type of story. Go cover this case. There's a car crash. There's a fire. There's a murder. And you were like, I don't want to do these stories anymore. Well, it was depressing. I mean, to go way back, I mean, the reason I got into this industry in the first place was kind of by accident. I was never a person who was into news. I wanted to be a movie director. And in college, they gave me an internship at a news radio station. And my first day there, I felt like oh my God, these are my people. Everyone had a dark sense of humor. Everybody was strange. You could be your complete self. Everybody was strange. Everybody, I mean, right? Like Those everyone, people. yes, like everyone, at so every newsroom I worked in, it was the same thing. Like all these weirdo misfits with strange senses of humor is where I always thought you grew up and you went to work and you had to have this different personality and you put your shoulder pads on and you know, you're carrying your uh, pumps to the subway with your sneakers on. And it wasn't like that. And so I got into news for the people and then just covered my murders and stuff and it just didn't match my so personality. I remember you came, we went out to lunch and you were like, I'm going to move to Japan and teach English. And I was like, what? Like it came out of left field to me, but that's what you did. Yeah, that's what I did. And then one day I got a Skype from you guys. 
<laughs> and I was getting ready to come back and I'd already actually accepted a job at my old radio station in Sacramento. Mm. And you asked me if I wanted to be on the show and you said, we have a name for it. It's Ring My Bell. We have a song, the Ring My Bell disco song. <laughs> right. And I don't know if I said this or I thought it, but I was like, that is so cheesy. <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh, I don't want to do that at all. Well, the, behind the scenes, and I think people, this would be interesting to people, is Don and I kind of had to put our foot down on the roll because, again, we went into management and we're like, we want Rachel Bell on our show, show and she's just going to be on our show. And they were like, no, we what don't do well, that. What happened when we went in 2005, it was very clear, and this is this this – this particular property, it was very clear to me that women were to speak and read the news, but they were to not give their opinion. Yeah. So you listen to any day part, it was all dominated by men. Management was all dominated by men. Salesforce, interesting, dominated by women, right? Mm -hmm. The women did really well going out and selling this product. And then when we looked at the numbers, they said there just weren't a lot of women listening to this radio show. And what Ron and I learned through doing rock radio, top 40 radio, even sports radio, is, is that if you provide kind of an on-ramp for women to participate in the show, if they can hear other women's voices, yep. not only do they feel included, but men want to hear the voices of other women as well. And so what happened between 2005 and 2008, we started having women on and we asked specifically reporters and we would started to debrief them and ask for their opinion. And I remember going up to Carl Gardner, I give him a lot of credit when we wanted to go and hire you. And he said, you know what? We don't, we, 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 he said two things. He goes, number one, he said three things. Number one, I know she's good. Number two, we don't have the money. And number three, I don't get her. I do not get her. Yeah. So, I, so this is what I told him. I said, why don't you then dip into our contracts coming up, dip into our contract and pull the money out of that because we think she's so important to the sustainability of our show and women like her. Uh, they and, didn't dip. They didn't dip deep. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so any, anyway, Carl worked to find the money, and then, and then I said, "It is important, Carl. You're you're a sixty year old male, and it's good that you don't get her right." And and he looked at me and he goes, "You know what? You're right." Mm -hmm. And and so, what what was your relationship with him after that? Because he he became a fan of yours even though he didn't get you and it took some time. But when he left the radio show, he was very enamored by your talent. He really was. You know, what's funny about that is, you know, I think he's retired now. He's retired. And yeah. he comments on a lot of my Instagram posts and cool. writes the cutest things. And he sends me private messages and he writes, love you and things like that. That's and it's awesome. so sweet. And yeah. I actually haven't spoken to him in years, but he was a really good guy. And yeah, yeah to his credit, because I think, you know, that's one of the best qualities of a manager and why there aren't that many great managers and bosses is, you know, especially in a creative field, they aren't the creatives, they're the suits. So they have to be able to see beyond that. Sure. I'm not for him. He's one person. There's hundreds of thousands of people listening. A good manager would put, you know, something like that in the hands of a creative, you two who are going to program your show. Yeah. And I give, I give Cairo credit today. Colleen O'Brien can give her opinion, right? Ursula Routine is on there giving her opinion. There's a black man on the radio station yeah. that has a major day part now, right? Uh, Dory no longer with us, but it seems like Brandy Cruz is filling in for him, doing a hell of a job. Yep. Someone sent me a clip the other day and I was like, wow, she is really good. Afternoon drive. There's a woman on giving her yep. opinion. 
And now there's a woman in, in Kathy Cangiano that's running the radio station, right? So yeah. let's do this. Uh, Rachel Bell has left the building. She has left the radio station, and now she's doing something pretty cool. We're going to get to that, and also we're going to talk about happiness on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, back to the Ron and Don show in a moment. I love those guys. <laughs> they are amazing. And anyway, speaking about being amazing, do you want to be amazing in 2023? We have a 2023 life-changing event coming up. There are 30 people on February 16th. It costs nothing. There's no flim-flam. There's no bait and switch. But we have raised the bar here. We don't want just 30 people showing up that want to meet us because we can meet you some other time. And believe, believe you me, we're not that exciting. Ron, this specifically, we are dialing into our health and we're dialing into our wealth when it comes to building wealth and health through the power of real estate, right? Yeah, so 30 people. And we are going to do a two-hour event here. And I guarantee you, if you really lean into this and you really listen to it, we are going to come up with a custom game plan just for you to acquire that first piece of real estate. It's probably not going to be tomorrow. It might take six months. It might take a year. But if you are ready to go on this journey with us, that's who we want to partner with. So if you're motivated, if this rings true, go to ronanddon.com slash change. It's limited to 30 people. ronanddon.com slash change. We'll see you everybody february 16th and now back to the show all right you guys welcome back don't forget today's show brought to you by les schwab right guess what winter driving season's here so stop by les schwab tire center and they'll help you put on those chains and uh don't forget spring is right around the corner and they got a big spring tire sale just in time for spring. Also want to thank Mitch.loans, Ron. People need a loan right now. They should reach out to Mitch, shouldn't they? Yeah, Mitch.loans. Uh, he is a finance guy that we work with. He also can help out. He's going to be at our life-changing event. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we're doing it at his office, and he's explaining to people, how do I get my credit right? How do I get prepared to buy my first home? Or if I'm looking to move up or downsize, uh, he can help with those finances. You yeah. can reach out to him at Mitch.loans. Also meeting with a lot of sellers right now. This show brought to you by Ron Don Real Estate. When you're ready to sit down with us, all you have to do is go to ronadonsitdown.com. Ronadonsitdown.com. So, uh, are you okay? Yeah. (laughs) Leave that in. Don't cut that out. We we don't don't believe in that. Let's (laughs) let's do this. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about kind of what Rachel is doing now. And then also she's here to interview us because we're kind of a big freaking deal. <laughs> and then I, I also have a gift for you today uh, before you leave. So I'm going to, I'm going to share a gift with you that I is think it you, like a verbal gift or like a real gift. Well, made we'll out find out. I think it might be stuff. a real gift. Okay. Before, before we get to that, let's get to a story about happiness. And Ron, you thought you wanted to bring Rachel in on this story. And there was, they just concluded uh, some research on happiness, and I guess uh, they really dove deep on this, right? Yeah, I thought you're. I'm, I'm really glad you're here to talk about this. So let me set up the study real quick. It's the longest longitudinal study, and, and that means they'll pick a, a set of people and follow them for years and years and years. And even when like the researchers retire, they pass the project on to the next, you know, next group of researchers. So this was at Harvard, and they wanted to find out what made people happy. So they picked a, a group of men. Uh, and from like the 
1940s, I believe. And they've been following these people all the way through wow. to the end of life. And so, uh, again, this research has been going on forever. And the biggest takeaway that they had with studying these people that happiness correlated with how deep your relationships were. And so they, barring everything else, health, wealth, job, family, uh, any sort of challenge you had in your life. A lot of, some of these men went through World War II, uh, went through Korean War, all of these different wars and, and all the strife you can have in life. The biggest deciding factor was the depth of your relationship. And so they came up with this concept, which uh, this is what I want to talk to you about, Rachel, is they talked about pausing and looking at your social universe, they call it. And they say, who who is in your social universe? Like, who's the closest planet orbiting you in a sense, all the way out into like, who are the stars that you look at? And then where are you giving in this universe and where are you taking? Uh, and then do you, where do you want to be a year from now? And so when I think of Rachel, when I read the story and I knew you were coming on today, I was like, I like having Rachel Bell in my social universe. Yes. And I, but you made, you made it. I made it. You made it. I'm but, not Pluto. Congratulations. I'm not Pluto. They didn't fire me as a planet. You didn't, say anything, about, you didn't say anything about me. No, but, he didn't. But, but you're it. But you. what yeah. I wonder, because you and I went out for a pizza crawl with my brother the other day. I, I wonder, it's like, I wonder if I'm a net taker uh, with my relationship with Rachel. A net taker. Does that mean like you only take and you don't give? Yeah. Do I, ta do I take more than I give? In our relationship, no. Oh, this is. I'm like. I feel like I now think he's I'm searching on, for a compliment. I know. No, I no, no. Searching for because I feel like searching for a friend. No, because Conan O'Brien has a podcast called Conan, Conan needs, needs a friend. A friend yeah. I think Ron Upshaw. No, needs because a when we went out with my brother, Rachel was very nice to my brother, and you chatted him up, and I was sort of like, ah, this is probably not fulfilling to Rachel. <gasps> oh but, no, no. I see what you're saying. But, oh, but no. I actually think the opposite. Sometimes I wonder if you give too much and that I don't give enough to you because hmm. you're a very generous person in general. Um, no, I think, I don't know. Do you think it's even? Hang on. Hang on. I'm the one that brought We're you. We're talking. I brought you. Ron and I are talking. You know what? You, you gave me a gift several years ago that I still use. It was really cute. When yeah. we were doing a segment on air once, I was talking about how sad it was not being in school anymore because I like to go back to school shopping mm -hmm. and go to that aisle, you know, in the drugstore right. at Target where you're like, oh, the pencil smells so good. The glue. And the next day, oh, I love sniffing glue. That's yeah. how we are, how we are. Right. And you gave me a little pencil box. It's a, it's a tiger print with of magenta and black and you filled it with school supplies That's right. and nice. I still use it and that was really nice you gave me a mini stapler yeah. still you could but, travel with that so I think the thing that would help I'm other, a net giver yeah, you, you are, are a net giver is what we're finding out so when how do you because you do this better than anyone I know how do you maintain your social universe because you schedule things you're proactive you don't seem to be get down when it's like well no one's calling me uh, like you initiate a lot of things how do you think about that uh, with the group of people that you have in your life? That's interesting because I am a natural planner and I have a couple friends who are not and they're always saying like, Hano, well, you're so busy. Da, da, da. And it's like, I have so many other friends that are such planners. If you don't get on their calendars, you're never going to see them. So we're all just trying to get on each other's calendars. I think, you know, like I'm 43 and I've chosen not to have children. And part of that is because I want to have a life of freedom that's full of fun and fulfillment. And so I'm kind of taking advantage of that. I'm just 
try to do fun things all the time. I definitely leave. I actually schedule in days for myself. Wednesdays are always yoga. I won't plan anything, you know, certain other days I need my own time, but I just, I guess I just see something that's going on in the city. And then I kind of like rifle through my Rolodex in my head. Who would be fun to go to this with? I have, you know, parties sometimes. I feel like I am more of the initiator, but it doesn't really bother me that much because as long as people come, then I know that they want to be with me. And, uh, I actually see my birthday every year as a touchstone that I use for the rest of the year. If I'm feeling down to say like my birthday was January 3rd and I had 12 women over my house. We Happy birthday. Thank you. We had dinner and we played games and it was so loud. It sounded like there was 50 people in there. And that makes me so happy because yeah. not everyone knows each other or knows each other well, but everyone likes each other. And all night people kept saying to me, you have the best friends. Mm. Your friends are so great. They're so interesting. They're so cool. And that just like fills my heart up yeah. to feel that I'm surrounded by have, these great have people. Have you ever had to cut someone out? Yes. That was a taker. I've had to cut someone out, not because they're a taker, but because they made my life harder uh, and it just wasn't working. And I feel like I'm in that flux. Like that was something I realized at my birthday was that maybe four of the women were new friends, people I'd met during the pandemic and I'm very close with. And I had a moment where I thought, is this bad? Is this weird that I don't have like a ton of old friends here? And I thought, no, I've kind of been in this shift for a while where I used to be a partier in my twenties and now I'm very outdoorsy. And it was like, I didn't feel connected to the old people as much. who just wanted to meet at the bar every weekend. And I was really trying to find people that I connect. So I felt like these people that I've met in the past couple of years feel a lot more in sync with how I am now as a person. And can you give a couple of Rachel Bell tips? Cause again, you're one of the best I know with this of creating depth. Like you do not like to cover how was work? How was your day? What is the weather to like? To a fault. <laughs> you, you like, you're militant about that. How do you create depth? Well, one thing I will say just to go back, because I know a lot of women in particular, and some men too, like if they're having a party, the worst thing, what if nobody shows up? No one's going to show up. I think that kind of lines up with, don't be afraid to reach out to people and do it over and over again. Like, I think making friends is like dating. You get like, oh, I really like her. And I want to see if she wants to go on a walk tomorrow, but we already walked today. Is it weird? Think about how you feel when someone contacts you. You know, you feel good. It feels good that somebody got in touch. Do that for other people. Don't make it a tit for tat. You know, just reach out whenever you want. And if you're getting the vibe, the person isn't into it. That's one thing. But things don't have to be even. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. What it, It's really interesting with the outdoors. I, I did some mountaineering 15, 18 years ago. Yeah. A lot of outdoor ultra stuff. And that space really dominated by men. This year, I did the enchantments, the three burrows, some other yeah. things. I was amazed at how many women I saw and yep. packs of women. Uh, even when I run out in Discovery Park, it, it women have really overtaken that space. And it is really interesting because sometimes you'll go down the trail and you'll hear women talk to each other and they have a camaraderie sometimes that it seems like us guys, as we get older, we don't have. And we, I, I remember talking to my therapist about this. You guys might know her. Uh, hmm. And she said, it's really hard for men yeah. as they get older because they've partied too. They, the commonality they have with other men is they played some poker or they went to a football game or a yeah. baseball game or whatever, but they don't have those deep, rich relationships yeah. as they get older. And women sometimes figure out as they get older, it's like, hey, 
I, I I have my group of friends, and I don't need a man. Be, yeah. nice, be nice to have well, one. That's what yeah. I was saying. Rachel asks interesting questions and requires you. you to be interesting. Yeah, like, I, I remember her telling me one time when we were on air. She goes, "I'm not into small talk." She goes, <laughs> "I barely get the medium talk. Like I just uh, want to jump in and I, I want <laughs> I want to start talking and having conversations." Real, real quick, outdoors, what have you done lately? Is there a trail out there that I have to try? Mm, let's see. Well, I've gotten into snowshoeing because I used to get really bummed in the winter. Like, I can't hike all winter here. And I'm like, oh, you can. You can do it with snowshoes. Yeah. Uh, so there is, if you haven't been to Artist Point up at Mount Baker, that is, if it's a beautiful day, if it's a blue sky and there's powder, there is no prettier place to snowshoe. And it's, mm. it's a workout. You have to go uphill for quite a while, but once you get to the top, it's this just fluffy marshmallow wonderland. Um, I wanted to, to, to circle back and like tie a ribbon around that article. Wait, now you're, you, I'm circling back and tying are, a rhythm. This of 10, is like your feet. third circle back and now you're tying something. Yeah, I am so tying I'm something. dizzy from the circling. Just so, so you know. um, for this article, you seem happy. Are you happy? A couple things. First of all, I'll go back and answer one thing you said about what to talk about. I don't think there's anything wrong with premeditating things you want to talk about before you get to an event. Sometimes when I'm driving somewhere, I'll go, all right, what's a topic or two I can bring up so that if I need to start a conversation, what's a funny thing that happened this hmm. week? Like you can plan that stuff. Like you don't have to just go into an event like, uh, and then ask someone what they do for a living. Like, I don't know. I, I, I like think of things sometimes. Um, am I happy? I think the older that I get, it's harder for me to stay. I think when I was younger, everything was like, oh, it's so carefree. I will say like I started taking antidepressants a couple mm. years ago, which really surprised a lot of people because they know my on-air persona. And I think, you know, mood is more complicated than that. I'm not being fake when I'm on air, uh, but, you know, I'm multifaceted. I have different sides and you know, I went to therapy for years and years. I do yoga. I work out. I eat pretty good. Like I do all those things and I still couldn't, there are these sticky things in my brain that wouldn't go away. Things that would just make me not feel good. And I finally started taking antidepressant and it instantly went away. Hmm. So I felt really good about that. Just kind of like, it was just what I needed. I mean, I would, I started having a little bit of social anxiety in my head where I would hang out with people I was close with and think, I don't think they like me. Mm. I don't know. Why did I say, I don't think this, that they're probably not going to be. And that's the antidepressant took that away. It made me feel like myself again, yeah. more confident. So Thanks I don't know. I put that. up something on Instagram. I don't usually, you know, talk about stuff like that, but I thought it was important for people who are outwardly outgoing and seem like the happiest people in the world. Like I did to yeah. say, no, no, like I needed help too. There's no shame in the game of getting, are you, are help. you, people think I'm an extrovert. Because I can flip that light switch, and we mm -hmm. did that every day when we did terrestrial radio. And even in coming in, coming in here, we all see the microphone. We all know what to do. We yeah. know we know it's time, uh, and it's it's just part of our profession. For me, though, like getting up this morning, going to the gym in the dark, saying my prayers to myself, driving in the car. And I don't always know who I'm praying to, but I'm trying, <laughs> right? And and then and then that solitude of of being in the gym, and even though there's other people there, and I like that there's other people there, I don't necessarily like working out with someone. I I do it once a week with someone, but I like being alone. I like being in my car alone. I like going Charlie to the park. So so my, so I'm really my batteries are charged by being introverted, yeah. and then I can come in and do this. What about you? what about you? I used to be a ninety nine percent extrovert, and now I think I'm a seventy five percent extrovert. Yeah, same. If I don't have alone time, I feel real cranky. I need that too, and I don't like to 
before in my 20s and early 30s, I'd go down to Portland and visit friends. I don't want to leave on Sunday. Now I'm like, bye. (laughs) And I think that was really, really hard for me. That was something that I used to talk about in therapy a lot because I thought something was wrong with me. It's hard to change over time. And I think think that our brains definitely change over time. Like there's a reason why older people are different than people in their 20s. Like they're not choosing to quote, be old. Our brains change. And if you're you know, for me, like I had a lot wrapped up in the fact that I was the life of the party and da, 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 da. And I thought I was really boring. Like once I kind of started chilling out and I wasn't someone who was like, I'll do anything. Give it to me. (laughs) I mean, I used to do stupid, like I would literally like do human pyramids and like be on the top of the human pyramid at parties. Like, whoa. Uh, And so it took me years to get comfortable with who I think is my new self and a more introverted self. And even like things that sound like nothing to some people, like leaving a party early, I would just sit there and stay and stew over it. And I want to leave so bad, but what do people, and you realize like nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. I, you you just revealed something. So my final question for you. Thanks for revealing that, by the way. Sure. I think that's really cool you did that. I have a lot of people reach out to me since I revealed five years ago. I started doing some work, going to therapy, addressed drinking, numbing, all that stuff. The obstacle is the way, uh, which it really is. So I have a lot of people that will reach out to me and say, uh, maybe one or two people a week, I'm drinking too much. What can I do? And what I don't do is I don't say go to AA or go to a meeting and get back to me. Uh, I actually will interact with them because for a lot of people, it's they're, they're not alcoholics. They're just using it uh, to numb out. Yeah. And the, and the danger sometimes, uh, if, you're stop, if you stop numbing, then you really have to deal with yourself. Yes. And that's yes. where people commit suicide and they do all kinds of experience depression. and all. So what would you say to someone that heard what you just said and they say, you know what, I relate to what Rachel is saying. Uh, and sometimes the light at the tunnel, the light at the end of the tunnel sometimes feels like a train. What would you say to someone that said, wow, Rachel just shared something. Uh, what can they do? Or, uh, or what do you share? What would you share with someone? So, I mean, you know, I don't want it to be an answer like, oh, just go to AA. But I think going to therapy because everybody has a reason for why they are that way. And mine isn't going to be the same as yours. It's all because of childhood and the way you were raised and your parents, you know. And so my childhood made me the way that I am. I don't know what anybody else's is, but I was only able to figure that out by going to therapy. So I think you just have to be patient because therapy is slow. You don't go the first time and go, oh, now I know why I'm the way I am. Like, I mean, it can take years. Yeah. So I think if you just have to be invested in yourself and say, I'm the only thing that I have, all I am is this body and this brain. Do I want to live the rest of my life in a way that feels good or not? It's worth it to spend but a couple it, years in therapy. That story could be a, a gateway to this of saying, I heard Rondon talk about this social universe thing. Go to someone important to you and say, hey, Don, I heard this thing on a podcast. I just want you to know that I'm lucky to have you in my social universe. Yeah. I like the way I feel when I'm around you and just see what, what the conversation turns into. Yeah. And, and if you don't have, if you have zero people there, when you try to think of this list, that's a different scenario, but hopefully you at least have one or two people and yeah. go to them and say, I just want you to know that you're officially in my social universe. I like it when I'm around you and I hope that I give more than I take. Yeah. And then hopefully that's a great conversation and it makes your friendship even stronger. Yeah, just in the segment. Yeah. All, all, and I've shared this story before. I'll share it real quick. Uh, last year, uh, my son checked in with me 
and we drive to school every morning instead of taking the bus so we can have conversations. Carl Gardner taught me this. I said, what, oh. what made you such a great dad? He said, ask your kid every day if there's something they want to talk about. So I tried doing it at night, and I'd sit on his bed, and he's totally wiped out. So he didn't never yeah. want to talk about anything. Daddy, get out of my room. So, so in the morning, we have these conversations. Is there anything you want to talk about? He always wants to talk. He's, he's slept. He's energized. He's ready. And he said, yeah, I want to talk about something, Daddy. And he said, how is your mental health? Yeah. Wow. And so I said, wow, thanks for checking in. Thanks for asking me about my mental health. I said, I would like to tell you about my mental health. And maybe if it would be okay, maybe you could tell me about your mental health. We're running out of time, though, because school's starting. I said, how about if we go get some Molly Moons and we check in on each other's mental health? So I shared uh, uh, with him. We went to Molly Moons. I shared with him. Uh, Molly's my mental- favorite? Or yeah. did you get the... Did you get the, the fudge? I got the salted caramel, of course. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so anyways, we checked in with each other, and now it's something that we do uh, twice a month, every other Friday. Uh, we go to Molly Moons. I was at an auction uh, for mental health for Children's Hospital, Fran Nordstrom Foundation, and they asked me to come and auction off items, and they said, hey, because of COVID, we don't have a lot of items. I said, you don't need any items. We don't need items. I said, what's the goal? They said 300. I said, I bet we could raise 500 if we just asked people to help kids. And we asked about the mental health. I went and shared this story because on Fridays, I carry a spoon in my pocket to remember (laughs) to take my son to ice cream and ask him about his mental health. And I took the spoon out of my pocket and had broken. And so, and then I had spoons handed out to people that were there, right? And so with this, with this, uh, not only did we raise, end up raising $600,000, but someone sent me two spoons in the mail, two gold Aww. spoons. One has my name on it, one's Gunner's name on That's it. That's so sweet. And they said, thanks for teaching me how to check in with my kids, and thanks to your 12-year-old, uh, because I'm having conversations with my kid that I've never had before. So I thought that was really cool. That is really cool. cool. Yeah. Can we do hey, one guys. more quick segment and find out what Rachel's up to now? Let's she's do left it. the station. We'll see you on the other side. The train station, right? Choo-choo. Yeah. It's Ron Don here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.Loans. Mitch, uh, do I need to have 20% down to buy a house right now? No, and that's actually one of the most common mistakes that I do here is people think and people have thought for a long time that 20% is the standby. 20% the first time you're buying a home is not normal at all. With with prices, you know, around a million dollars often for first time home buyers, 20% is a lot of money to save and it is not necessary. You can put 3.5% down with an FHA loan, 5% down sometimes even less with a conventional and Mortgage insurance just isn't as bad as it used to be. I just did a loan that was a $900,000 home. The buyers put 10% down and they were going to pay mortgage insurance of $100 a month for two years. Now that $2,400 feels like a lot, maybe, but if you talk about how much their home is going to grow in value over that time, it's nothing. All right. He's Mitch Weeks. Uh, Get in touch with him at Mitch.Loans. If you're a first-time buyer and your ears just perked up and go, I'd like to buy a house for 5% down, it's Mitch dot loans all right you guys welcome back to the ron don show rachel bell is here we used Woo-hoo. to do that segment we told you about. this feels so good to get I know. together it really does you guys it's so fun yeah 
So nobody drove her to the train station at Cairo, right? For our Yellowstone reference. Do you know what that means? No, I was like, this metaphor is not, I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, uh, when, when, when Evan Kevin Costner sends one of his hands to grab one of the other hands and send them to the train station, okay. it's supposed to mean they're supposed to disappear and never come back. Okay. So, so that's what happened. So that didn't happen at Cairo. You left Cairo though. Yeah. What is going on with Rachel Valley's days? Well, for those who don't know, not like I didn't plug it all the time. I've been doing a podcast for the last six years. I was doing it with Cairo called Your Last Meal, uh, where I interview celebrities about their last meals. And then I have other guests on to talk about the history, the science, the culture of that meal. Uh, have had everyone from maybe the best guest of all, William Shatner, wow. uh, to Jewel, Jack Johnson, wow. uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, all kinds of folks. And the idea is to talk to people about something universal like food to kind of bring out things in them that they might not be asked about otherwise. And can we just say, because um, again, to culminate like sort of what we talked about in the first segment, um, I always was pulling for you to do what you wanted to do. And I hope you felt that as we worked together, yeah. where it's like, let Rachel talk about what Rachel wants to talk about. And one of those main things was food. And it was a one of the biggest proudest moments of my radio career is when your show got nominated for James Beard Award, <sighs> which is like the highest honor you can get in the food world. And you got to fly to New York and wear a fancy dress. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about what that meant to you? Because you've gotten Murrow's and you've gotten well, regional. Uh, Murrow. <laughs> you got a Murrow, which is like the radio awards. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And you've gotten nominated for all that stuff. Like you've been recognized in the industry. But for that one, was it different? Oh, yeah. I mean... You know, I was saying earlier, I never intended to go into news and it kind of happened by accident. And so even though I had a lot of fun in my career and especially being on your show that, I mean, you guys told me, stop talking in that weird news voice, just be yourself. And so getting to cover human interest stories was really fun, but I've always been obsessed with food. And so, you know, it was pretty shocking that Cairo let me do a food podcast for six years, considering it's a news station. And so getting nominated for an award in the topic, the subject that I care the most about, you know, at that time I had not had any news awards and I didn't care because that didn't feel like me. It was my job. It wasn't sure. part of me. So that was a part of me because I started that podcast on my own. I created it. I did everything. I put my, you know, blood, sweat and tears into it. I had help, but like I mostly did everything myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was so scrappy. And like, you know, that same year, Anthony Bourdain was nominated for a James Beard award, like Ina Garten. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> right. I mean, when I woke up that morning and looked at the list, I thought it was a typo. I couldn't believe it. So that really was like the greatest honor of my whole career. Tell us how it works. Walk, since you like William Shatner, and I think we all like William Shatner, walk us through kind of how does the interview work? Why yeah. was it a great interview? And and then and then how do you treat the food? Because people are talking about food, and then you do a deep dive sometimes on 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 the food that people enjoy for their last meal. Yeah. Right? And just quickly, because we never got to it at the beginning, that's what I'm doing full-time now. So I yeah. left Cairo to do the podcast full-time. Uh, and it's on a, available on podcast players everywhere. Your last meal. Your last meal. I have a new logo that I love. It's very cute. Uh, okay. So the question people ask most is, how do you book these guests? And the way that it works is people only want to be interviewed if they're promoting something. So I'm always looking around who has a book out, who has a movie, who has a concert. 
And then I try to find the contacts by going to like the publishing website. Like yesterday I emailed like 15 different people and I'm just like, I hope someone writes me back. I got three emails back today. We'll see what happens. Andrew McCarthy has a book coming out. Um, (laughs) And uh, William Shatner was interesting because he's older. He's in his eighties and phone quality is so bad, but he wouldn't do anything but a landline phone. And so (laughs) that is the most listened to of all my episodes in six years, but it is like the worst quality. Um, The thing that was so great about it is a, he is a loose cannon. The things that come out of his mouth, he should not be saying. And that's what makes it so great. Like one of the things he's like, yeah, I want to produce a TV show called MILF. And you go like, Oh, what? And he's like, Moms, I'd like to feed. It's a show <laughs> where we feed moms. But then it takes another left turn because then he says, You're speaking of moms, my dog is in heat. And he just goes on here like, What? And it's so good. And the other thing that made him so great, and this is the interviews I love most are this way. He wanted to have a conversation. He wasn't just being interviewed and answering the questions. He asked me questions. He engaged. He laughed. He was, you know, it was a fun conversation. I think that is the most fun to listen to rather than just an interview and, and he's you, super engaged you ask him what their last meal is and if it's something you haven't covered before you will then teach us something about that last meal yeah so sometimes it's not the last meal it kind of depends on what i attach to sometimes it's some other food conversation we have and then after that that interview i brainstorm like well what could i do with this so for example for betsy johnson i didn't use her last meal i just thought well where do fashion and food intersect because she's a fashion designer and we came up with the idea uh, my producer at the time said well let's interview Lady Gaga about her meat dress that she wore to the VMAs I'm like you good luck to you booking that interview <laughs> like okay but then I ended up tracking down the guy who designed the meat dress for the VMAs and he's Argentinian and he called his family butcher in Argentina and said I'm designing this dress what cut of meat would be the best for sewing yeah and uh, funny enough, it, it was a skirt steak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of go in all directions wherever the wind takes. It's interesting when you're interviewing someone. I, re- I remember Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper uh, were doing their first New Year's Eve on CNN together. And so they called in the studio. We were working at Cairo and we're waiting for Andy. Andy's late. Anderson Cooper is there though, and we start talking, and he was the exact same way. He was asking Ron questions. Yeah. He was sharing st- It was actually better than the interview that we had when Andy kept. And, and, and in fact, we said, can we roll on this? And we ended up using some of them. Jimmy Carter, the exact same way. He was in our studio whenever we go to break. He he had a body man, a bodyguard standing right next to him. And you're like, who's he? And he's, well, that's the guy that kills you if you mess with Jimmy Carter. <laughs> but but he was so interested in radio and how it worked and what John, uh, Ron's job was at the time, the board was still in the studio. It wasn't yeah. in the other. So he wanted to know what Sean was doing. It, it, it's very unique when you find, cause people are so used to being in Anthony Bourdain was the same way. When we talked yes. to him, he has questions about you yeah. and those are the interviews that really pop. I think, well, it's right? a curious person. And that's something that you always bring up about, you know, why the three of us had such a good connection was it's curiosity. Those people are interested and they're not kind of sleepwalking through and, you know, William Shatner, he's must've been interviewed hundreds, thousands of times, but he's still interested. Yeah. Yeah. Toughest interview ever for us. And then I want to know your toughest interview. Uh, we're going to have Amy Fisher on, and we are told that right before the Long Island Lonely she's going to come on, that we cannot ask her anything about Joey Buttafuoco. Uh-huh. We're not allowed to do this. Like, what are, and what I'm, are, and okay. I'm just like, 
Well, then why are, why are we, you here? Why are we having her on? <laughs> yeah, this doesn't make sense to me. So, so she was on, and I introduced her as the Long Island Lolita. And you hear a F this, and the phone hangs up, and that's it. <laughs> so we had her on for eight seconds. But then Eddie, who played Eddie Munster, we had him on. He ended up slamming the phone down. He lasted about six seconds because I said something about his hair that he, that he didn't like. And he was promoting something in Vegas. What about – what was the – has anyone ever hung up on you, or, or who was the toughest for you to, to interview? Well, I've never said this publicly before because I always just thought I shouldn't, but eh, who cares? There's only one celebrity I interviewed that I didn't use it because – it didn't go very well. And that was Sandra Bernhardt. Mm. Uh, she got upset with me as well. She didn't hang up, but her getting upset made me nervous. And then I was like, ah, and you could, this is a mess. Uh, and it's just weird because it's like, why agree to do an interview? If you don't want to talk, like every question I asked her, she was like, ah. like she would say things like, I can't believe you're asking me this. This is a food show. I'm not asking any <laughs> hard-hitting questions. Yeah. Um, but as you know, this turned out to be great. One of the most awkward interviews was with Russell Wilson. Remember Eat the Ball? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh, my God. When he was coming out with that line of Dinner bread, rolls bread, shaped like footballs. Shaped like footballs. <laughs> Remember the one he had? What there was one that was shaped like a globe to kid to teach kids about geography. <laughs> and this was the time. This was like a week That's after right. he did that big announcement that him and Sierra were not going to have sex and yeah. whatever. Wait till marriage. Why wouldn't you add? That's the biggest topic that you would ask about. But I was at this event with other sports journalists and everyone's just asking like, what do you think about the game on Sunday? Mm -hmm. So I asked that obvious question in a very gentle way. And he cannot, he's looking around like he's trying to get out of here at his publicist. Why is she asking me this? And you can hear mm. <laughs> he's swallowing and his mouth's really dry. I'm like, what just happened? Yeah. He made a public statement about this. Now he doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. And I've put the picture up many times, but there's the he's, picture he's of us. Not touching you. We have our arms around each other, but there's like, leave room for Jesus. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you can fit like a linebacker in between yeah. us. Yeah. I want to give you a present uh, before we do that though. Have you shared your last meal on, on, on the podcast? Yes, I finally did. I did. Uh, what was it? The five year anniversary. So my first guest was Tom Douglas because when I was just starting, I'm like, Oh God, I don't know who I'm on. to be I got to get some local person. And so I brought him back to interview me about my last meal, uh, which is, well, maybe I won't say, go listen. What's the, what we call do you remember, tease. do you remember the episode? Uh, yeah, I remember it. What's the number of the episode? I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's go, just see. go back in the go feed. Go back and look. Y'all have to look. Or if you guys can put a link in the show notes, but we'll do that. Yeah. yeah. But I'm going to have you on. So for those listening, subscribe to your last meal. Ron and Don are going to be on my show and it's going to be very different than this show. We're going to talk about different things, maybe things that you never heard before. Don't know about Ron and Don. Yeah. Hey, before you go, I remember you saying that you love to read books and that you love to read cookbooks, right? So I, I saw this book and I thought about you over the holidays. And this is a book that is called Feast. I don't know. Have you heard of this book? No, I haven't. And it's two, like fr two friends, five months, uh, one car, uh, 10 provinces. This is across Canada. Three territories, seven islands, eight ferries, two flights, one 48-hour train ride. The result? Over a hundred incredible Canadian recipes from coast to coast in the Great White North. I'm recipes not kidding. I'm actually getting like an adrenaline right now. I'm I like, know. this sounds really good. <laughs> I read this and I'm like, ooh. I love the cover. I gotta oh, give thank it. Thank you so much. So I wanted you to have that. 
Oh, thanks, Don. Yeah. No thanks to Ron. Now you're my main friend. Well, and, and what I'm hoping is maybe I go first and I get a little more time on your last meal because I provided yep. a gift today. Yep. And all Ron provided was his friendship, yep. but you've always had that. And so, pizza. So who needs that? And I like pizza. a tangible gift. I don't really like one that you can't touch. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Before we get out of here today, what, what, can we, uh, what can we promote for you? One more time. What do you want to let people know? Well, please listen, subscribe to your last meal. If you've been listening for a long time and you never left a review, that's a super easy thing. I know podcasters say it all the time, but it actually does uh, get your numbers up and get the show out to more people. And now that I'm doing this for my sole income, I really need that. So um, I also have a Substack newsletter. It's Substack. Wait, it's either Substack.com.RachelBell. I just just search for up. Rachel Bell. Rachel Bell substack. substack or something like that. Uh, and you can be a paid subscriber. I don't have any special gifts or anything yet, but if you just say, mm, I just want to give that girl money, <laughs> you can do that to support the production costs uh, and follow along on Instagram. Hello, I'm Rachel telling you, Bell. If for people that give you $100, you should give them one of those uh, dinner bells that I sent you. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Tell them about with, your idea. With, with Ring My Bell on it, and I'll, I'll send you a bell. For, I, I, I don't did, know if I can take Ring My Bell with me. You know, know what's weird is people really love the... But people will know. It's just a ring my dinner bell. You ring could my take, dinner bell. You could take that with you. Okay. My favorite thing about ring my bell was that several years ago, Walmart started doing these commercials on TV, uh, something about like delivery and ringing the doorbell. Mm -hmm. And they used that Anita Ward song, ring my bell, which is a disco song from the seventies that we redid, you know, to change the words a little bit. Oh my God. I got so many emails. You need to sue Walmart. They stole your song. I can't believe they're using your song. <laughs> I'm like, oh, they're there. <laughs> I do have people sing that to me. Like, you do? Like, oh yeah, yeah. It's an earworm. I got so, there's two things I get messages about people's. It's something about four years old. There must be something, uh, in the developmental process. Cause it's always my four year old sings that song to me. And my four-year-old loves sour cream. It eats it with a spoon, just like you. Yeah. Uh, that's the age for disco my, and my sour cream. My favorite thing is like, you and Rachel Bell actually know each other in real life? Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I'll just say before we go, the cool thing was, before Carl left the radio station, you can go up and you can look at ratings. And it, there's something called quarter hours. And you could, and Rachel would be on our show, not only doing uh, cool news reports, but then we do Ring My Bell twice a show. And you'd always see the numbers pop when you came on. After like a 13-minute commercial break, you would come on. you see that. It's appointment radio. <laughs> yeah. You would, you, you would see that pop. And that was really cool. And, and Carl looked at that. And he goes, yeah. He goes, I guess it's okay that I never got it. And I'm really glad that he still still stays connected with you he wrote me yeah. a beautiful letter when i left the station about being a dad and a son uh so he's really a wonderful man i miss him a lot so. well thanks to you guys i mean thank you for asking to be on to be on your show in the first place when i was leaving cairo i was going back through 11 years of audio trying to save stuff for my portfolio because i never saved any of it mm -hmm. and i was listening through some of the ring my bells and you know it's been a few years you kind of just forget we did one five days a week for i don't know like nine years they are so funny. I mean, <laughs> I know, I'm not seeing this to like toot our horns. Yeah. I just, as time goes by, I go, God, we had chemistry. Mm -hmm. And you can't, you just can't 
put together people. It just happens or it doesn't happen. And it made me so happy. And, you know, those were, I mean, that was a time of my life where I would go on vacation and I was excited to come back to work on Monday, which is really rare. Like I don't have to hate my job to not want to come out on Monday. I always just want to be on vacation. And I loved working with you. It was Mm. so fun. I think it was, you know, a really a once in a lifetime connection that you just can't recreate. And so I'm really grateful for you for asking me to be on your show and sticking with me all those years and giving me all the freedom. I mean, I, I honestly don't think there's another radio station or another team in the country that would have let me do all of the silly things that I did. Do you remember I did that story? You guys had ideas. There was some <laughs> law changing about gun ownership. And I went to a gun shop in Burien, quote, undercover. That's right. I'd like to buy a gun. I had no idea what I was talking about. Within 30 seconds, the guy goes, you're Rachel Bell. <laughs> no, I'm not. I was like, fine. I'm undercover. And then the worst one that Andrew Walsh still talks about, there was like allegedly some scandal going on with a bikini barista stand in Shoreline. Yes. And it was, oh, the owner, he sits outside and he's in a creepy van and he's watching him and he's running a prostitute. Uh, ring, you go up there and see what's up. Why would you send me, like a woman in her 30s, to go pretend? So I offered, I went through the thing and I said, I like tried to ask them basically for sex. <laughs> and they looked at me like I was insane and it did not work. And again, it's like, why would you send like a 33 year old to go bust a prostitution ring? It's I know, I did it. And it's like, oh, so those are like some of the best things the failed <laughs> attempt well i feel the same way you are like the the sprinkles and frosting on top of, of my radio career oh thanks it. ice cream cone yeah <laughs> hey you guys thanks for listening to this episode of the ron and don show don't forget if you want to sit down with us all you got to do is go to ron and and coming up we got a life-changing event and ron last time i checked you're gonna have on uh your blue blazer from 1984 that i think you bought right out of a sears catalog still looks sharp and uh, you're gonna be speaking that night what are you gonna be talking about i do need to take out the, the back a little bit. It's a little yeah, tight, dog. It's a little tight, dog. Yeah, uh, yeah we're going to be talking about what it takes to be a first-time buyer. Don's going to speak. I'm going to speak. Uh, we're going to have all the resources there. we got a finance person, a title and escrow person. So we're really going to do a deep dive, answer your questions. If you want to go from being an, a renter to an owner in 2023, uh, we will get you hooked up. I think there we got a sign-up while we're doing the show right now. So I think we only have eight slots available. Uh, go to Ron and Don dot com slash change yeah and uh don't forget uh lacroix for everyone unless you want white claws then we'll uh g- give <laughs> Keep out it classy we'll, we'll be handed yeah we'll be drinking some uh some white claws so and so have some finger sandwiches some puppet sandwiches actually i just so, thought of something can i just say yeah. one more thing yeah the reason that this book is so perfectly timed i can't believe it i just realized so i do this thing with my friends called country club where we're trying to cook food from every country in the world in alphabetical order. We meet once a month and it's a potluck and we're in the seas. We just did Cameroon and next month is Canada and we're going to Canada for the weekend to cook Canadian food. And now I have this whole cookbook full of Canadian recipes. Now I can pick one from here to bring. Yeah, that's right. And, 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 and before we go, just that little thing of saying, this is what we talked about happiness, having things to look forward to, especially on a gray day in Seattle, knowing that you're going on a trip, 
knowing that you're going to see friends, yeah. knowing that you might go see a family member you like, or you're going to jump on a train, go to a place in the world you've never gone before. And, and then even a simple thing like I'm going to get together with friends and we're going to, we're going to cook. Those are the things that bring deep joy and deep connection. Yeah. So when stuff does hit the fan, those people that you're cooking with or traveling with, they're going to be there with you as well because you spent joyous times together and they're going to be be there when things get hard too so so yeah just hearing you do that it takes a lot of planning uh so be around i'm i'm around uh a lot of planners that like doing a lot of things outdoors and so that gets me diving that gets me running that gets me doing the i can pick up the phone and call a friend and say let's go do the enchantments but you got it you got you have to plan that stuff out and book rooms and, yeah. and do all that stuff yeah yeah so. i think that it's harder in this world now to have things to look forward to because you can get a tv show whenever you want anything you want you can get it when you want it food etc and actually i was at fred meyer last week and this listener came up to me and i told him we were doing this and he was really excited he worked at Fred Meyer and he was asking me about this pizza place that I tried last week. Uh, it's called Moto and you have to order it months in advance. And it's like, they open it up for January and February and maybe you'll get a pizza. You go online and he goes, it sounds really good, but I don't want to have to wait till March for it. And I went, no, no, you're missing the point. Wouldn't it be great to have to wait till March to look forward to a pizza? It's like such a simple thing. Yeah. You know, maybe you don't have money to take a trip for the weekend, but you can look forward to a pizza in March. Yeah. And follow Rachel Bell on Instagram. Or your Instagram is really blowing up and it's really fun to watch. And Thanks. I, I'm, in, I'm enjoying that. So follow her on Instagram. Uh, Ron, anything else? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you guys, keep your head up and your shoulders back. We'll see you next time. It's the Ron and Don Show. Oh, they! On the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back. And keep blowing that trumpet. And we'll see you next time. Only. 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network.